Welcome to Awakening Today. This is our twice-a-week resource to encourage you in the Bible reading plan that's available at our church website, awakeningchurch.com. This week we read Job 41 and 42, Psalm 1, Proverbs 23 through 26. My name's Chris. I'm so glad you're with us. Let's dive into today's topic, closing out Job together and closing out a little bit the book of Proverbs. Well, as I said last episode, we've spent so much time in Job, and it's really been providential, I believe, because of the massive amounts of suffering that we're experiencing. Our health, our economics, so much of our world right now is falling apart, and one of the things that strikes me as I read Job is how mysterious this book really is. It's not a book of trite answers. Heck, it's 42 chapters, and it's a long whirlwind of a story exhausting every world's portion of wisdom that it has to give. It keeps doling out these portions of wisdom for chapter after chapter, and it's not satisfying. And it's strange because even at the end, you're not really satisfied. The end of Job is a little satisfying and a little odd. Satisfying because Job is restored, His fortunes are given back. But it's odd because there still seems to be no closure. We still don't know at the end of the book the answer to the question we've been wrestling with. Why do the righteous suffer? We seemingly still have no answer. We just know how God shows up in suffering, that we are to trust God and not curse him during suffering, and that we are to explore his wisdom from his word more than the world's wisdom and the wisdom from our friends. These are things we know. It's almost as if it answers a different question. The book of Job doesn't so much answer the question, why do the righteous suffer? But it answers the question, what happens when the righteous suffer? And I think this is a more valuable question and a more valuable answer. You know, when I was thinking about the book of Job, I realized we were also reading Proverbs 25 this week. And Proverbs 25 starts with one of my favorite verses in verse 2 in the whole Bible. I used to have this verse written on my office wall. It says this, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. It's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. I've always loved that verse because God is mysterious God's ways are not our ways, Isaiah says. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We read Paul last week in Romans 11. How inscrutable are his ways and unsearchable his judgments. The ways of God just operate on a different playing field. It's almost like his reason supersedes our reason. And yet, I love that proverb because it says, It's the glory of God to conceal some things. He doesn't tell us everything. But it's the glory of kings to search them out. That's why theology is so worth it. That's why reading God's word is so worth it. Is that while God is mysterious, through the power of his spirit, we are to seek him out and to search out his hidden and beautiful things. That's partly the work we do when we read books like Job. It is a mysterious book. One important thing to know about Job 
It's, it's a, is, it, that is his classic Hebrew literature. When I was an English major, I took a Jewish literature class, and the professor there became a mentor of mine, Cheryl Melanick, and I, I just I loved her. And she was this PhD in English literature with a specialty in Hebrew and Jewish literature. And she said, Jewish literature is not like Western American literature. Western American literature is beginning, middle, end. But a Jewish story is beginning, middle, beginning. You see that in the story of the whole Bible. Starts in a garden with a tree, ends in a garden-like city with a tree in the middle of it. In the book of Revelation. And Job is this way too, isn't it? Job is beginning, middle, beginning. You all of a sudden end the book of Job finding yourself right back at the beginning. And it makes you think a couple of things. One is, maybe closure is an illusion. Because who's to say that Job wouldn't just have this happen to him again? Once you find yourself back with Job's cattle restored, his family restored, his health restored, his fortunes restored, it should start you thinking not about does Job have a 43rd chapter, but it should have actually have you start thinking about Job chapter 1, God and Satan in that courtroom, the accuser, the adversary coming against God. And it should start you to think down the road, what if this happened to Job again? How would that affect me and my view of God, and how might that affect Job? I'm struck, going back to Job 1, by this question the accuser, Satan, throws towards God. Um, it's in Job chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? I think that this is... The question at the heart of this book, does Job fear God and love God for no reason at all? Miroslav Volf is a Croatian Protestant theologian at Yale, brilliant mind. Many years ago, he began jogging. Um, and when he would go on these jogs, he, for like two years or something, he'd put his headphones on and just listen to the book of Job. He said it got him thinking about how and why we love God. And he would just listen over and over again to this book that we've been in. You know, Job, Miroslav Volf says, he says he's rare because he's both righteous and rich. You know, a, lot, a lot of times we equate rich, or, uh, rich people to, to snobs and jerks. And righteous people are those that live meek, mild lives. Well, Job is both rich and righteous, you know. And the accuser, when he says, does Job fear you for no reason? He's saying, you know, God, Job actually loves you, God, uh, for one or both reasons. That he is rich, that he's righteous. He either loves you because he's rich, or he loves you because he is righteous. He doesn't love you for no reason. He doesn't love you he actually just loves what you can do for him. Have you ever been there with God? Are you there right now? Maybe as things are moving away from your life, maybe you've lost a job, maybe your family is um, filled with anxiety. Maybe you're stuck at home and struggling with depression or anxiety, and you're struggling with this idea of knowing God because God may 
not be showing up for you in the way you want him to. Sometimes we love God not for who God is, but we love God because of the things that he gives us. And the book of Job is this startling account of a man who gets everything taken away, and we start to realize maybe this man loves God for no reason. You know, it makes me think of Matthew seven twenty four, where Jesus tells the parable of the man, the solid rock. He says, two men build houses, one on sand, one on rock. When the storms come, only the one with the rock stands. He says, the one who built his house on the rock is, is, is the one who hears the word of God and puts it into practice. It's the one who takes the word of God and puts it into their life. And Job was that kind of man, because at the end of Job, we find his life on a solid rock. We find him repentant and knowing God. We find his fortunes restored, but we don't know his, if his fortunes are going to be um, restored forever. Like I said, it's beginning, middle, beginning. We might find, Job might find himself through another season, another storm. Just like we talked about last episode, Psalm 1, that was in your Bible reading plan as well. Psalm 1, this idea that the, the, the tree is planted by streams and in its season it yields its fruit. And so Job is the story of a man who goes through all the seasons. And it is revealed at the end of Job, the answer to Satan's question in Job 1.9. Does Job fear God for no reason? After this crazy story, we can say an absolute affirmative. Yes, he does love God for no reason. Miroslav Volf, that theologian I told you who was jogging to Job, wrote this. We must learn what Job himself learns in the story. To love God not for what God gives, but to love God for who God is. We either love God for nothing, or we don't love God at all. When we follow Job, we go back to the beginning at the end of chapter 42, and we realize Job loves God for no reason, but at the end, we're forced to ask this question, do we? Why do you love God? Do you love God because he's useful to you? Do you love God because of what he does or does not do for you? Or, my friend, are you learning in this tough and difficult time that you might just love God for no reason other than that he is God, that his character and his nature is so good and so trustworthy and so faithful that we can know him and follow him through the power of Jesus, the power of the Spirit, and that that's all we need. We don't need God's things. We don't need God's blessings. We don't need God's fortunes. Friends, we just need God. And the promise of Job is that when everything is taken away, you still have him. Tim Keller has a famous line where he says, sometimes you don't know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And so friends, if you're going through difficulty right now, and you feel like the only thing you have left is Jesus, may you be blessed at the realization that he is truly all that you need. Grace and peace to you as you walk with him through these difficult times. 
We love you guys. <laughs>